you turn in your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to read the opening two verses. Romans chapter 12. We're going to read the opening two verses. I'll remind you that this is not mere human literature, but rather the inspired and infallible Word of God. So Romans chapter 12, commence the reading of verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Let us bow in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you, Father, that we can be found here this evening, Lord, to be able to open thy word and to praise you, Lord. Dear Lord, we pray, Lord, as the message is now brought, Lord, that you would use my lips, Lord, that you would seal every word to our hearts, Lord, this evening, Lord. And, Lord, that we would be edified and challenged this evening as the word here is preached, Lord. Dear Lord, continue with us, Lord, and bless us and do us good for being here. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So here in this passage we see that Paul is writing to the church of Rome here. And we see that this part of the letter Paul has started it off midway point through his letter. That he says, I beseech you. I beseech you. Now when he is speaking here and referring to I beseech you. He is saying basically adhere to the word Listen to the word, pay attention to the word that is written here. So we can see here Paul is wanting them, as it were, to do these things that is written here. But he's wanting them to get very special attention to the words that are written. So we see that it is important that we would, as believers, adhere firstly to the word of God. The Christians would adhere, would listen, would pay attention, would live by the Word of God. That the Word of God would be listened to even in our churches. But it has to be said that when we look out in the country and up and down our land, that that Word seems to be nearly ousted from the faith and from churches and from our land today seems to be that they're more interested in coming up with some worldly um, teaching rather than what is adhering to the Word of God. You see, the amount of Christians that have near, as it were, bowed the knee to political correctness or to the agenda of the LGBT movement. Or in recent days, we've seen in Ulster so-called Bible-believing Protestant Ulster. We've seen the endorsement of ministers for this movement. There's no adherence to the Word of God, and yet it seems to be that the so-called ministers standing in pulpits up and down the land that used to proclaim the message of this and the adherence of the Word seems to be have has been ousted from their teaching and from what they need to hear. 
But do you see, if you started to show them scripture, they always seem to say, well, you know, that was back in Paul's day. That was back in the early church's day. That wasn't really, that was to conform to the law of the land. But it has to be said that God is not going to rewrite rewrite the Bible for you, your generation. People need to stop trying to change scripture. For it is written that we may adhere, that we may listen to, that we may pay attention and live by it. The Bible is there for us to be changed by it. It seems today that even if you ask some young Christians about biblical teaching and adherence of the word. I was speaking to friends of mine there even the day and this says that they're on for same-sex marriage and they're on for uh, the slaughtering of the innocent child at circumstances. They're fine with it. They say, well, you know, the word of God doesn't really mean that, does it? But it really does show the lack of adherence, the lack of listening, the lack of hearing and obeying the word of God. It has to be said, I was speaking to another friend of mine back on Friday and she was telling me about her assistant pastor and how good the person was and started continuing and all. And I said, what's the person's name? And they says, they gave me a name and I just went, right, okay, and... uh, she let me continue about it, and uh, they went on a bit, and then I says to her, right, is that a man or a woman that you're talking about? And she goes, oh, it's a woman. And then she started telling me about this call that she had to the ministry. And well, I, I was trying to be restrained with her, but, um, yeah. Well, I says, right, okay. Well, I says, what about, I turned to the scriptures. said, let's look at the scriptures for a second. Turned this. First, uh, Second Timothy 2 and all with her about uh, you have to be a man, you have to be the husband of one wife. And I said, how can she be a husband of one wife? Well, you know, her call seems very genuine, so it does. And I says, well, it's not, uh, she's not called of the God of the Bible. Anyway, and well, that didn't go down too well. But it's one of them things, you know, there's no adherence to the word. Even in our pulpits today, that adherence isn't there. For things like this here shows that there is no adherence of the word. It seems to be that what was biblical, what was sound in doctrine, what was important to the church of God, it isn't anymore. It doesn't seem to be right. It doesn't seem to be accurate to listen to anymore. What we listen to now seems to be the fairy tales of the modern world rather than the adhering of the word. Let me say to you this evening, the Word of God, this book, this very book that we have been reading out of, has no expiry date. This book is an inspired book. This book is God manifest in His Word. For for it says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not just what men take out of it or women take out of it. Not just what it's what we want to fit in with this politically correct world to make a politically correct church, but it says all of Scripture. And when you take all of Scripture and you adhere to it, it's not like, but let me tell you, we're we're better to listen to the words of God than we are the words of man. Here we need to see that this book needs to be adhered to. Why do you think the churches are so dead? 
It is because they don't read, they don't adhere, they don't listen, they don't pay attention, and they don't act with the Word of God. Let it not be said of CET this evening that we compromise and not adhere to the Word. Or let it not be said of CET that we push forward agendas. But let it be said of CET that we adhere to the Word. That we listen to the Word. We live by the Word. So let us this evening be able to adhere to the Word of the living God. Let us attend from Genesis chapter 1 and the verse 1 to Revelation chapter 22 and the verse 21. Let us not go from that. Let us stray to listen to that. Brother, sister, this evening and hear it. Listen to it. Pay attention to it. That we may listen and hear what is in the word. And you won't go far wrong if you listen to it. Then we see that... Um, Peter or Paul continues writing, and he says, he says um, that therefore, brethren, he's talking to the brethren of the church. We see at the start that he's addressing it to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, and then he comes here to the brethren. So he's looking at this, and he's saying, I want to address this specifically to the believer. This verse here is to the believer. So he's firstly saying, right, I want you to listen to this. I want you to adhere to this. I want you to realize that you need to listen to the word. Then he says to the brethren, so we're looking at this here, that we're looking to the Christians. He wants the Christians to adhere, to adhere to this. So he continues, by the mercies of God. He goes on to talk about mercy. Mercy fuels compassion. Providing promising glints of light in a darkened world. It's kindness, forward forgiveness and empathy. Mercy chooses not to be offended. And compassionately sees a hurting heart behind hurtful words. God's mercy is reflected in the cross of Christ. A direct revelation of his love for us. Mercy is an extension of an expression of love, an act of kindness, compassion, or favor. Mercy really does show the characteristics of the one true God. Examples from the word of God would be King David. When he, when he said in Psalm 51, he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. You think David, a man after God's own heart. Slayer of the giant Goliath, a chosen king, committed adultery with someone else's wife. And then her, had her husband killed in battle. You can reference that in Second Samuel chapter 11 to 12. But sin has the power to overtake even the most, uh, the most um, strong followers of Christ. But consequences will always become our reality, as they were for David. But God will never falter in his mercy for us. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Reference from Psalm 51, verse 10. David pleaded, and God heard him. The Lord has taken away your sin if you're redeemed of Christ this evening. 
You are not going to die. You can read that in Second Samuel 12 and 13. And David said unto Nathan when the prophet Nathan had come unto him. But he says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put thy sin, thou shalt not die. So here we see, yes, there were consequences for what David had done. Yet we do see the Lord showed mercy unto him. Then we see also Paul. In Acts chapter 7, we see that as they were killing Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their change. Charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was constant, or was a witness unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church of Jesus Christ, which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. We can see that the persecution really went there. But Paul formerly saw the crusade against Christianity to defeat this religion as he thought it was against Judaism. Then he ran into Jesus, as you know, his Damascus Road experience. God showed mercy on him. And he got saved. And then you think how God transformed his life into going throughout Preaching the word. Writing a good chunk of our New Testament with the inspiration of God. These are two biblical well-known accounts of God's mercy. Then when you look at it, you can see that it is not using a singular uh, meaning as in mercy. It's saying mercies of God. It's plural. It's very important to see that, that it's plural, the mercies of God. The mercies of God. Now that is important. For it was mercy that brought hell from your future. And it was grace that put heaven before you. It was mercy that brought hell from your future. And grace put heaven before you. The mercy of God that he saved us by sending his Son to die and to shed the precious blood on the cross as our mediator between man and God. That was mercy who lifted us up from the mary clay, yet it was grace that gave us that inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Then he goes on to write that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. The apostle gives us a solemn exhortation to present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. He adds the words, which is your reasonable service, meaning reasonable, logical, and it is so. What does it mean to present your bodies to Christ as a living sacrifice? Do you remember the burnt offerings in the Old Testament? Animals killed and their bodies burnt on the altar for God. As it were for the offerings and the sacrifice well pleasing to God. Jesus was that ultimate sacrifice that paid for our redemption. 
So here we see, and that can be also referenced in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, the sacrifices of the Old Testament were offered dead animals onto the altar. The Lord wants our bodies to be presented to Him alive, holy, and acceptable. He wants your life on earth to be walking, talking, living sacrifices in what He did on Calvary's cross for a wretch like you and a wretch like me. He wanted that for us to be able to be vessels for His glory. Maybe have you give your body that God would use you here? Do you want God to use you? That's the question. Do you want Him to use you? Because you have to be willing that God would use your vessel. Not everyone here is meant to be behind the pulpit. Your service could be on the sound desk at the back, playing the instruments, singing, showing people to their seats, serving a cup of tea, being out in the highways and the byways, the prayer cafe, etc. The list can go on and on because each of us are different each of us are unique we all have that different personalities we all have god giving gift to us but it's all about what god can use you for but you have to be willing to be used of god you have to be desiring to be used of god you have to want to but the question is why would you not want to be used of god for it says that you would say, give your body to Christ. That you may say, wherever he leads me, I will go. Is that your cry? But if you do say that, will you go? If the Lord told you to go to speak to somebody, and you thought to yourself, not a chance, am I going to speak to that person? Would you do it? That's the question. Because the Lord can put stuff in your pathway and put stuff into your life that you might not want. But yet you've asked for it. Yet you've asked for it. That he may take my life and let it be. Would would he take your life? That you may be used of him. That you may see souls won through labors. Not everybody's going to be saved through somebody witnessing in the pulpit. Give as simple as a, a kindness, act of kindness. Are we gospel tracked? Are we left a meeting, etc.? The list can go on. But you have to make sure that you are desiring and you're willing and you're not going to say no to God because it is your reasonable service. You just think what Christ done for you. This, just think of it. He left the splendor of heaven to come down to this sin-seeking world to walk as a man, to live and to die even the death of the cross. He came to die even the death of the cross. And yet we see in Ulster today when you say to people, we want to be used of God. And yet they prefer, right, that's all right, but you can do that. You can do that. They have no determination to be used of God by, unless it's somebody else. Leave it to somebody else. So somebody else will pick up the pieces. 
What if everybody had that same attitude? Where would we be? What if on Sunday, Cain didn't Sunday feel like preaching? Or Aaron didn't feel like preaching? He'd be behind the pulpit and this Sunday coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> I walked into that one, didn't I? <laughs> there's, there's always a rule to be filled, so there is. And the Joker's one of them, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so we need to be able to give a reasonable sacrifice to him. Because he is worth it. Amen. He is worthy. Hell, not in our sake, his mercy lifted us up. But grace set it in our path. Grace set heaven in our path this evening. It's powerful to think that, so it is. Last point is separation. Separation. In verse 2 we say, And be not conformed to this world. Separation. It's a very divisive topic to speak about in the church. Alvin spoke about it, I've spoken a wee bit of it. But this is more of a broad uh, segment of it now. So separation. The principle or practice of separation has never been popular, even in earlier generations up to now. Yet it is a crucial factor in living for God. Moreover, separation is crucial in how we live as believers. Now the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and the verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The Hebrew word for holy essentially meant to be set apart. For holy people we are supposed to be. But yes, we know, we now make sure we don't get confused with, we're not, we're not going to be holy, pure, we're not going to be perfect until we get to glory. And we need to make sure we don't fall into that trap of the holiness um, doctrine. As in, we, we think once we're saved, we sin no more, we haven't sinned. And that's that sorted. But that's not what separation leads to. Now, we do see as believers that we need to realize that we have been called to be set apart. We don't belong in this world. It's very evident when you go out onto the street and when you do different outreach programs that the world will let you know that you're different. Even if you say in your workplace or your school or whatever, what are you doing tonight? And you say, well, I'm going to the Tuesday night Bible study and prayer meeting. And uh, if they're unsaved, some of them would look at you like you've got two heads. But um, I was in school today and they says, what are you doing? And I says, I'm going to here this evening to speak at the meeting and he goes have you got no life <laughs> that's what they said the mate just says well if you had any life you would come with me <laughs> yeah so we need to make sure that uh, we realize that the world thinks different of us because of our belief and because of what we believe is different do you know why because they're dead but we're alive. They're dead, but we're alive. They see something different in the flesh because they're just flesh is walking by. No spirit ignited in them. There's dead, dead in trespasses and sins. And um, 
my friend says to me that hey, when she was talking to me, she says, you know, you seem to be f- full of life at times, I said, right? And uh, continued to talk to him and says to me, well, you know, I put my hand up in the meeting and not, nothing ever happened. And I says, right, okay, did you ask for forgiveness? Oh, don't need to do that. Shame good living. He says, well, now, when we get into that there, you have to realize that you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to be convicted of the Holy Spirit. And he goes, oh, well, I got a booklet about it. He says, right, okay. Continued on about it and went on and says, oh, yes. And I says, so what are you at tonight? Oh, well, you know, I'm not coming in tomorrow because I might drink in the night. And I just went to myself. True repentance there anyway, but we see there that even when you look at them, they're like, if you say you're separate from the world, these, some people who claim to be Christians, who say that they're Christians, think that that's completely bonkers. The amount of friends I can list off who say they're believers, and yet they're out, they're out in the pubs, they're out in the dens of iniquity, weekend, weekend and weekend out. I'm to say it's all right, sure I'm sea of darkness. He says, separation, my friend. And once I say that, there, that's the door shut. No time for you. No time for you. It's really true to say that separation needs to be brought back into the churches. Dr. Paisley said that there needs to be a great separation movement in Ulster to separate the apostasy from the Bible-believing Scripture. Those who will follow after the Word. Those who will follow after Christ. There needs to be a separation. We as believers need to realize that we do not belong in things that are not scripturally right. And we need to be separate, not just from the world, but also from the wickedness or from corruption in the church. Because there is places... That would do you harm in Ulster today because of their doctrine. And that separation needs to happen. I believe in it. I do believe in it. I know too many friends of mine that go to, they say Bible-believing Christians, and I went to one of them, and I never heard what they were reading because they certainly weren't reading the Bible. And I just thought to myself, what on earth have I got myself into Come in here. But they ended up, they says to me after, was not a great service. <laughs> I was very restrained with them, so I have to be. But you know, when you say to them, do you want to come to see E.T. sometime? Do you want to come here? Oh, no, no, no. He's very deep out up here, you know. They, they, they're too uh, firebrand up there, you know, that type of thing. I says, praise the Lord. Because when you have that separation, you'll see the true Christians from the weak ones. You'll see the true Christians from those who go for the entertainment factor, for the feel-good factor, for the religious factor. You'll see that. And it's so important to see. It is sad to see in this land of Ulster that Christians think that some people are crazy for believing separation. But I have to say, we need to pray that they would come out of that. Because when you believe separation, or when you believe giving your bodies fully to Christ, the world will think you're mad. And not only the world, the Christians will think you're mad. 
You say you want to serve the Lord. Well, you're always being from opposition. It's not just from the world. Remember, Sam, friend says to me, how can you be bothered going to stand in the pulpit? I says, it's one of the last places I want to be, but the Lord's called me to do it. The Lord's called me to do it. And I believe that I'm here for a reason to stand here. I don't want to be here. I don't feel worthy to stand here. But it's not us that makes our gifts be able to be worthy. It's Christ. And we need to serve him whatever way we can. We're going to look at a few references now for separation. It says in Psalm 1, Psalm 1. Psalm chapter 1. Find it. Psalm chapter 1 and the verse 1. It's, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. We see here, and we have read that there, and we see that those who stick to the word, those who stick to the truth will be blessed will be blessed of the Lord. There will be trials to stick into the truth. There will be opposition to stick into the truth. But we are to live in accordance to the law of God and to walk in His law. We're to walk through this book, through the Word of God. We're to stick to it. Then turn with me to Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter six and verse seventeen. You can read them in Second Corinthians it says, "Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you." Here we see here that. Um, as, as we've read this here, that Paul is saying that we need to come out from what, that which is wrong. First time I heard a separation sermon was in Brickland Covenanters. And the man that was preaching was from America. Now, he wasn't a Reformed Presbyterian. But he preached the message about the fear of man. And he says the problem in Ulster countries in America and all he says the problem over there is they let anything in. They let anything in. And I remember him saying I had many conversations with him when he was over and he says to me that um, the greatest danger to the church over here is letting things in slowly by slowly by slowly. And that's why he says, I preach that message on the fear of man and separation. 
Because I wanted to warn them that they need to make sure that they are following Scripture and following Scripture alone. That is why separation and the Word of God belong hand in hand. It belongs so vital, so important to the doctrine of separation that the whole of the Word of God is followed in it. Trying to stress this enough, it is important to see that we need to make sure that we are separate, not from the world, not just from the world, not just from going out social drinking, not just all out there, but from some teaching that has been brought in in places. Think about even the Reformation that has been denounced in places. That stuff coming in to damage the church. That's why it needs to be separated. Turn with me then to 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, chapter 2 and the verse 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of the life is not of the Father, but of this world. Now we need to make sure that anything in this world that gives pleasure, you need to be careful of that. Yes, when we come to worship, we should be praising Him in spirit and in truth, yes. But we need to make sure that we're not worshipping the instruments, that we're not worshipping the things that are maybe the worship band, etc. But we need to be making sure that anything done, that when we're out in the world, when we're outside witnessing the people, that we're not going out at the weekend and, as it were, getting blocked and all, that sort of thing. That we're not living the life of the world, but we are standing firm on the truth and of the Scriptures. If it's not scriptural, why go near it? Why go near it? Why try to tempt yourself? I spoke to people and they said to me, well, I'll go out with my mates to the pub and surely have one or two. Sometimes maybe it'd lead to three. And sometimes then it gets tempting. And I said, well, why do you go out with them? Oh, well, the crack's good. But the thing is, we need to make sure that we're seeing that who do you prefer to a fellowship with? Is it that of coming together and spending time with one another as believers? Would you prefer to discuss the things of the world? Or would you prefer to discuss the things of God? Well, that's the question. Friends of mine that said to me they prefer to go out drinking than the woods is to sit in some meetings. And they just says, you're wasting your time. My friends of me, it says, says to me that, oh, well, you know, it's all right to go out with the ungodly. Yes, it is. It's all right to witness to them. I believe in that 100%. It's all right to talk to them. Yes, it's all right to do all that. But when it comes to going out and to do worldly pleasures, what are you doing? That's the question. What am I doing? Are we going out to endorse the world, least stuff, such as drink, such as partying, such as all of that? We need to be so careful that we do not fall into the trap. King David fell into the trap. 
man after God's own heart. And then he had the, the affair and then had the woman's husband killed at battle. One sin can lead to another, can lead to another, can lead to another. That's the thing. Separation. It says we're new creatures. We should live that life as the, ch- uh, as, uh, as the song says, the things I used to do, I won't do them anymore. We're saved for a reason. We're saved from that past life. The psalmist writes, He lifted me up from the mardy clay and from the fearful pit and set my feet upon that rock. That rock, Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, when Christ lifts you up, you're a new creature. You shouldn't be one to stride for the things of the world, nor should you be enjoying the things of the world. But we should be seeking after God in everything that we do. The biblical separation is not having close connections with the ungodly. We need to make sure that we are witnessing, but not joining in. I know people who say, well, I'm out with friends, like, you know, but to be fair, I'm witnessing to them. But witnessing to them doesn't mean joining in with a few drinks. That's where I think people seem to be able to get confused by nearly. If they go out and they join in, they'll get better at uh, communicating with them. But it leads to more and more sin. Leads to more and more sin. But not but to be off this world. We're not we are not to be off this world. We're, we're sorry, we're not to be in the world, but off the world. And we need to make sure that we are being witnesses and to praying earnestly for the lost. Not the fellowship with them as in going out drinking and all as we've looked at. My friend, today I do not believe that we need to be in the world. I believe that we need to be off the world. And I believe in biblical, Bible teaching separation. Bible believing separation. So important today that we see it. I felt the need for this. For a while, I spoke of it on a two Sunday nights ago. I spoke a wee section on it. But it didn't go down too well because I got a text the next day complaining about it. So, you always, you always have your arguers, don't you? Yeah, so, but uh, it's, it's always good when you get a complaint for two, isn't it? <laughs> but we need to see here. But then it says at the end of it, I want to look at this quickly. As we finish verse 2 and says, where is this? Oh, wrong chapter. It says in verse 2, prove what that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God. We each have a, have a life to live, but it's only what's done on this earth will last. Have you served him as much as you could? Do you live to strive to serve him? You want to serve him more and more in this life. I hope you do. Each of us has a will of God in our lives, I've said before. But the thing is, we need to make sure that we listen and we obey and we do that which God has for us. It took the Lord to deal with me quite a few times before I switched to the preaching. I thought it was politics, but praise the Lord, I'm out of that. But what's your will? Is it what you want? 
I thought politics was what I wanted, but it wasn't what God wanted. And it took a lot of hints, very big hints, before I got the message. Before I got the message. Each, uh, <laughs> amen, bro. <laughs> no, uh, yes. I'm trying to figure out how to put that back now. <laughs> Yes, um, so we need to make sure that we're living after what God says today. And we're living in accordance to his word. To conclude, you'll be thankful now. We have to be seen to be following after the word of God, to adhere to the word of God. The importance we've looked at of adhering to the word, listening to the word. We need to submit our bodies to the Lord. And we need to make sure that we are separate from the world. God, as blessing to the words that have been spoken. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you, Father, for this evening, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can come in, Lord, and pray to you and to be able to serve you this evening, Lord. And thank you, Father, Lord, for thy word, for thy cross work, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to stick close to the word, that you would help us to make sure that we are separate from the world, Lord, and that we would serve you from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, Lord. Lord, do us good now and take us to our homes in safety, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.